0: Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town
1: to play the Dolphins. You dumbass!
0: What is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, May the 29th edition. Of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got a special guest dropping by to talk about the Miami Dolphins wide receivers, Brad Kelly of the Draft Network a renowned wide receiver scout, is going to drop some knowledge on us regarding the requirements to play receiver in this scheme, scouting reports on all the guys, how do you define a number one wide receiver, all of that and much more, but first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app, leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter, it's at Winkful NFL. the show is at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all the written content for your Miami Dolphins. We have pieces up on Albert Wilson, on Kenyon Drake, and plenty of other good stuff for you guys on the website. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I don't want to waste any more time without Brad. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's First down today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. And joining the podcast now is a man who wears many hats. He covers the draft for the Draft Network. He's the wide receivers coach at Salve Regina. He's part of the Six Rings podcast, but we won't hold his Patriots allegiances against him. He's Brad Kelly. Thanks for joining the podcast today, Brad.
1: Thank you for having me on, Travis.
0: Yeah, it's no problem. And I first want to start by asking you, like when you pull up a receiver's film, you do so much good work looking at the releases and how that symbiotic relationship between the hips and the hands and the feet makes for good route runners. Where do you start when you evaluate a receiver, whether it's for the draft, the NFL, or otherwise?
1: Uh, the first thing I look at is footwork. Um, kind of like you said, uh, the releases at the line of scrimmage, but even coming off the line of scrimmage, their stance and start. Um, if they're going against press, depending on you know depending on the type of coverage, their release and their stem off the line is going to be different. And th- that's generally the first thing I look for, is straight, direct, right to the feet, right, right to the toes.
0: Absolutely. And that kind of puts everything in balance in terms of the shoulders and the head fakes and all that fun stuff too. So when you look at this Dolphins receiving group, are any of these guys – adept at getting releases? Because when I watch the film, several of these guys has to be, have to be stacked in bunch and they can't get off the release. Do you see the same thing?
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, for sure. I think the one guy that stands out that is, is above average at it is Kenny Stills. Um, as far as just his, his ability to go, get vertical, but even if it's just a, the fact that he has a speed release um, and he can just kind of get by a lot of guys that way, uh, pretty flexible, and pretty bendy guy as well. So he's probably the only one that stands out that can, that they can do it. Semi-consistently, Uh, The rest of the guys, I think, have, have struggled with it.
0: Yeah, he's a veteran of the group and definitely the most proven player in this receiver group. There's a lot of potential on this position group for the Dolphins, but it just hasn't come through yet. But the good part about your Patriots Allegiance, Brad, is that the Dolphins are essentially trying to become Patriots South here in Miami. So we ask you about the requirements to play receiver in a Chad O'Shea offense where it's a lot about, you know, adjust or side adjustments and timing and all that fun stuff. So what are the required traits to play receiver in this new offense?
1: Uh, just looking at the Patriots uh, in the past, they've obviously had quickness over anything else. Um, you look at the, the the times of the three cone drills and the times of the short shuttle drills for the Patriots receivers. And they're always very fast. Dion Branch was known for having a very fast short shuttle, even going back to when they had Troy Brown um, and then they had Wes Welker and Edelman and all those guys are, their major trait was being able to change direction and being quick in and out of breaks and, they are going to value that a little bit more than a size speed combination uh, because they want to be efficient and they want to, you know, take what the defense gives them. And that's the best style of receiver to fit that what they want in, in that sense.
0: And so when you look at the physical traits in terms of what guys are, because you mentioned those players like the West Welkers and even like Chris Hogan or Julian Edelman, they're not the most physically impressive or physically stout guys in the league. So. Is that something that you just don't really put much thought into when evaluating a receiver for this particular group? I know the Patriots just took Nikhil Harry in the first round, but it was a late first round pick. But would you say that there's not really a need to go out and get, like for instance, a Jerry Judy next year, or if you wanted to make a big splash in free agency, like an AJ Green or going after like an Antonio Brown this year, is that something you don't do in this offense or is it something that's more of a luxury that you would go at it that way?
1: I would say there's there's two answers to that. Number one would be um, there's always going to be a give and take with with you know height, weight, and speed. Um, there's just more margin for error when you have those physical traits. And the second part of that would be when you have a quarterback who's not Tom Brady, you're going to need guys who can who can win when the ball's a little bit off, you know, left, right, high, whatever it is. Whereas you have Tom Brady, or if you have a guy like Drew Brees or a player, a quarterback of that caliber with that type of accuracy, then the physical traits, their size and everything like that doesn't matter as much because they're still hitting hitting it with their accuracy and their ball placement more consistently than... Maybe a guy like Ryan Tannehill.
0: <laughs> oh, how dare you? No, I'm just kidding. No, we, we, we've we earned it. We've deserved that moniker. But, you know, you and I were texting Brad, or I guess DMing, same thing if you ask Chris Broussard. But Brad, <laughs> Brad and I were communicating about the Dolphins wide receiver group, and you said something that I'm sure is going to ruffle a lot of feathers around here. We are somewhat of a homer fan base, I think, and you believe this is one of the three worst wide receiver groups in all of football. Can you tell me why that's your position?
1: Uh, well, I think they just lack that top guy. Um, I think Stills, as I kind of already mentioned, he's probably the best one out of the group, and he's a little bit one-dimensional. Actually, one real quick, one thing about Kenny Stills that annoys me is every time I look at his numbers, he's my age. He's 26. He's been in the NFL for, for six years. Yeah. But anyway, he's probably the best one being able to go deep and be able to finish deep. But past that, just looking at the, the role players like Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker-ish – they're like more of number three, number four type of targets on a very good pass catching unit. So if you look at the Rams, like where do those, where do those guys come in if they run the Rams depth chart, they would all be the fourth best receiver. So it's hard for me to give them a lot of credit when they're missing that top flight guy. And even the complimentary pieces aren't necessarily, you know, a typical number two, a typical number three.
0: And that's a good way to look at it too. And I think that a lot of what the Dolphins fans kind of hang their hat on are these brief flashes of brilliance that haven't really been consistent at all in Miami. And so that brings me to the last question before our first break here. And I've said, I've had this question asked to me and I always say it's a guy that can consistently win in the red zone and a guy that can win on third down when the defense knows the ball's going to him. How do you define a number one wide receiver?
1: The number one thing I look at is, are they matchup proof? So depending, it doesn't matter who the corner is. If it's all the way from a, a slot corner uh, who, who thrives because of his quickness, they're not necessarily the biggest size all the way up through the Xavier Rhodes who are in the kind of medium, medium size and various slays, all the way up to the Richard Sherman, no matter what type of corner it is, are they still able to, to compete and are they still able to win? And when you look at the receivers around the league who can do that, it's guys who can win against all different types of corners. Uh, you know, A guy like Julio Jones, you can't really guard him because no matter what kind of corner you are, if you have the size, if you have the athleticism, if you're quick, whatever it may be, whatever style, whatever coverage, it doesn't really matter. Julio Jones can still win. So that's the type of thing where I look at it. If you're matchup proof, if it doesn't matter and you're still going to be successful, then you're that number one, that top flight receiver.
0: And that's something the Dolphins really just haven't had probably in my lifetime. I mean, Chris Chambers was the last guy that Chambers, was actually a yeah. pretty good receiver, but he got knocked out early in his career with a pretty bad concussion. And he really wasn't the same guy since then. And the Dolphins just haven't gone back to that well. They had Brandon Marshall, but he wasn't the same guy in Miami as he was in Denver or Chicago or even that one year with the Jets. So I, I think this is a, a position the Dolphins might be wise to go after next year in the offseason. Would you agree with that?
1: Uh, yes, 100%.
0: <laughs> no question about that. And we're going to come back here on the other side of the podcast with Brad Kelly. You guys can find him at BradKelly17 on Twitter. But before we do that, this quick word from Blue Chew. Listen up guys, bluechew.com, that's blue like the color blue, bluechew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code MLB, as in Major League Baseball. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code MLB to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, we're back here with Brad Kelly from the Draft Network. He is one of my favorite Twitter follows. If you guys don't have him on your follow list, it's at BradKelly17 on Twitter. So go ahead and make that happen. He breaks down some great wide receiver tape, does a lot of great work for the Draft Network. And that's what I want to turn to you here on this part of the podcast, Brad, is to ask you a little bit about each of these receivers I guess we kind of touched on Kenny Stills, so we can go ahead and gloss over that. But I want to hear your scouting reports on Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, and Devontae Parker, as harsh as they may be.
1: Uh, well, kind of kind of mentioned earlier, I think all three of those guys are more of your, your number three to your number four type of talent. Um, starting with Devontae Parker, I like Devontae Parker coming out. Um, I liked him so much that after his second year in the NFL, I kept him for my keeper in my fantasy league. And then he sh- didn't do very much his third year and I ended up getting rid of him. But that's not the point. He has a <laughs> lot of size, but he can't really separate. And I think that comes back to Biden because while he was good at winning con- in those contested spots in college, it hasn't showed up with much consistency in the NFL. I think his ball skills leave a little bit to be desired. Um, and that's really the main cause of the fact that he's had minimal touchdown production despite having – all the size and athleticism you could want at the position. Um, Wilson, uh, was successful early on last year and he was successful with the chiefs too. He's kind of like the poor man's driver's Landry and he just has like a little bit less size. Uh, but he's definitely just a slot receiver. He's not really a guy who can win outside. He's really bothered by contact, um, whether that be in a stem at the line, whatever it may be. And I think that really slows him down, uh, and, and really makes him a guy who you can match up with, uh, defensively. And then grant, um, also a guy who's undersized but probably a little bit more shiftier, probably a little bit more quicker. I think his ceiling would be a little bit higher than a guy like Albert Wilson's. Um, he's a guy who has a little bit more talent because he's, he's special with the ball in his hands. Uh, so if you can get him the ball underneath and he can kind of he can kind of make some things happen but overall, I think his lack of size does hurt him too because he just you know you need to be pinpoint accuracy to, to hit Jakeem Grant.
0: And you mentioned Albert Wilson's inability to kind of get off of any type of contact. I've been doing a charting project on him, looking at all of his reps, and we're going to have that piece for you guys tomorrow on LockedOnDolphins.com. And you're right, unless he's stacked or he's in a motion or working out of the backfield or in a nasty split in tight to the line of scrimmage, he basically is rendered useless. And that's why I think that Adam Gaze kind of found a way to use him in multiple ways, whether it was as a running back or in the slot, or like I said, those stacks and bunches inside. He just needs a lot of help to get himself open and- And his his downfield prowess for a guy of that speed, he was the Dolphins only targeted him beyond 10 yards. Seven times last year, only one of those passes was complete. So definitely limited in what he can do. You mentioned Jakeem Grant with the upside. I see a lot of that too in Jakeem Grant. I think he's a guy that, you know, he's undersized. You mentioned that. He did have the injury last year. But late in the year in 2017, you saw it against your Patriots. He had a couple plays in that game where he was just creating four or five yards of separation on pivot routes. He even brandy or he mossed Malcolm Butler in the end zone for a touchdown. Like, is that something that you think a guy of that size can consistently do? And is there a way to create separation in, or I guess I should say to, to make yourself available when you're covered if you're that size?
1: Well, first thing I would say is I'm not familiar with the game that you're talking about. Uh, but now I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> I, <knew you> were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think when you're, when they're that size, it, I think, one thing that works well for him, um, well works well for guys that size, is when they're a little bit more bulky, uh, when they have that strength, and kind of like a broad shoulder types. Uh, so you can be undersized and still make yourself available, separate in the air, kind of like you said, on a consistent basis. And actually, realistically, smaller guys should be better at that um, as far as the body control goes because I mean, there's less body to control. Um, it should be easier to flip your hips and be flexible and everything like that. But then it's just, then it mostly comes down to... You know the size of the corner. So the thing about Malcolm Butler is he wasn't—he's not huge. Um, I think if you're talking about Grant doing that consistently against guys that size, then he can. But when you're talking about guys, that, you know, want him to do it against any type of bigger corner, just that lack of length is going to end up coming back to bite him.
0: Let's go on to a receiver that I think a lot of Dolphins fans are excited about, but I don't think you are as much kind of like the rest of the group here, but an undrafted free agent from Colorado state, he ran into multiple issues off the field, got himself kicked out of a couple schools, or maybe it was just the one school I forget, but Preston Williams comes here. And a lot of people think this guy is a first round talent or a guy that has the upside, just has the off the field character. Where do you weigh in on Preston Williams and can he make this team?
1: Well, I would say if you're excited about Preston Williams, don't be, um, I think he had a lot of potential coming out. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, um, and that's why he had offers from Alabama and Georgia. But and part of that part of that reason was he was a very good track athlete. So I went into the season thinking, you know, this guy is a, is going to be a good athlete. And then he comes out and tests poorly, and not only was he testing poorly, but it was at his pro day, where typically you are going to have a friendly watch. Um, so that doesn't that doesn't bode well for him. I think looking at his technique, he's super raw. I mean, you could look at his stance and start and, and realize right away that this guy is a little bit sloppy in, in his technique and his route running. Uh, his breaks are all over the place, very inconsistent. Even when he is, you know, even when he's covered and he's going up to catch a pass, he's not always extending. It's just a lot of small things that add into him being a bit raw that an elite athlete, a 6'4, 211 pounder, who was, is the elite athlete that we thought he might be, could get away with. But the fact that he isn't that level of athlete, I don't think is ever going to happen for him. You add in the fact that he's, uh, his development is a bit limited because of lack of playing time in college, uh, you know, having to transfer schools and everything like that. I don't necessarily see this guy as a as a player who's going to make the team. I think he's more of a practice squad type of type of player, and I don't think he was a first round talent by any means. I had him really late in the draft. And
0: see, I put more value into that opinion than what I see on the Twitter streets, for instance, because a lot of that's based upon these highlight videos and YouTube videos, and anyone can look good in a YouTube video. I'm sure you've got your own highlight reel, Brad. I'm, I'm sure that is very impressive. And that
1: didn't that didn't exist.
0: <laughs> You're being too hard on yourself, but either way, I just I don't think that. They look at these types of things and it, it doesn't apply to these releases and the nuances of route running and the, the ability to stack guys and, and, and get separation that way. And so that reminds me of one last question I have for you here, Brad. I've seen a lot of the videos you post of guys in the route running and they have those camera angles where it's like directed at the receiver cornerback combination. Where do you mm-hmm. get that footage from?
1: Uh, so I am a psychopath when I watch film and I have the all 22 up and then I also have the broadcast up at the same time. Okay. Uh, so basically I'll, I'll watch the all 22 if there's. An interesting play i go direct to the broadcast and then watch the broadcast to see if they showed a replay of both of them so those will really be the ones i post because those are obviously the best angles to be able to see the the right receiver corner matchup. but it just it, i mean it literally takes so much time and so much work <laughs> but at the end of the day when you know you get 100 likes on it on twitter it's not like oh you know i'm just gonna keep doing this so. <laughs>
0: Because you post those and I was thinking to myself like he has to go through the broadcast and watch the entire thing. But then I'm like, no, he doesn't because that would take so much time. So it's cool to hear that you are putting that work in. It definitely shows your guys' work, yours and the entire site on the Draft Network is flawless. I absolutely love it. He is Brad Kelly. You guys can find him on Twitter at Brad Kelly 17. Brad, thanks again. And let the people know what you're working on right now, man.
1: Uh, well, we're getting ready to do our summer scouting. So we actually had a little mini draft, and we drafted units. Um, so I got Michigan's offense. So coming up, I'll be putting out scouting reports of Michigan's offense. I'll be putting out scouting reports of Iowa's offense, and they have two great offensive tackles. Um, and, you know, I got Virginia's defense. Virginia has a super talented defense. So I'll be, I'll be putting out scouting reports, summer scouting. I'll also have some NFL players. I got one player from each team from last year, 32 guys that I'm going to – uh, kind of on my own scout and produce scouting reports basically to kind of, you know, touch up on pro level traits, pro level skills, and still be able to spread it around throughout the entire league where I'm getting a little bit better of a grasp on each team and each coaching staff and each system and that type of thing. So that's coming up. And on top of that, I'm going to do a mini uh, 32 team bracket tournament of uh, the best pass catchers in the NFL pass catching groups. So it'd be like the dolphins pass catching group against the Patriots pass catching group. And we know who's going to win that one. Um, <laughs> or like whatever it may be for all 32 teams until we crown one pass-catching group champion.
0: Hey, they're both not even that good if you don't if you take away Tom Brady. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> but either way, hey, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you coming to the podcast. Like I said a million times, I think the Draft Network has changed the game in the way we look at the draft. So again, thanks, Brad, and you have a good night, sir.
1: Of course, thank you for having me on again.
0: And there he goes. And we are going to come back on the other side of the podcast and finish up with a couple of news and notes from around OTAs, as well as take the way back Wednesday machine back to 1994. All of that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkful NFL at Locked On Fins. But before we do that, I got to tell you guys about Untuck It. They make some of the best shirts, most comfortable shirts and best fitting shirts you'll ever find. Men come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should our shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. You ever wonder why your button-ups look so baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off that casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. And that's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or at happy hour, whether it's a Wednesday or a Saturday, no tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA as in National Basketball Association. Untuckit.com, promo code NBA to get 20% off your first order. Tuesday was the first day of practices this week during the final week of voluntary OTAs. Right now, on this Wednesday, we are in practice session number 8 of 9 for the OTAs, and then we finish up next week with mandatory mini camps, and it'll be interesting to see if Rashad Jones makes it out for those practices. But they wrap up this week. There's not really a whole lot to get to. A couple of news and notes that I wrote down from over the weekend, as well as practice on Tuesday. They posted a video of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, as well as Jake Rudock going over their quarterback drills with individuals. And that's the point of the offseason we are in right now. The point of the calendar where I'm breaking down individual drill warmups during practice in the end of the month of May. But you look at the footwork of all the quarterbacks working out there and Ryan Fitzpatrick clearly going through the motions. I think he's earned the right to do that. But Josh Rosen, you just watch the way he moves and it's definitely different and it harkens back this old idea or I guess not that old idea I have that every quarterback in high school or before that should play multiple sports to teach their muscle memory or their muscles different types of movements and different types of memory. And I think that Josh Rosen's tennis background, you'll recall he was a top shelf tennis player back in high school. I think that comes into play when you watch him play the position. So they had that video. There was some stuff with the DBs working out, some of the running backs. Not a whole lot to give out without the media being available, but they will be there for today's practice, and we'll have coverage of that on LockdownDolphins.com as well as tomorrow's podcast. And before we close up shop here on this episode, I'm pretty sure just about everybody on Monday night Watch the throwback edition, the 1994 game, Patriots at Dolphins week one at Joe Robbie Stadium, Dan Marino's first game back from the torn Achilles injury, throwing for over 400 yards, a bunch of touchdowns, and pulling one out late against the New England Patriots before they were the New England Patriots, before Bill Belichick got there. But watching Dan the Man outduel Drew Bledsoe was awesome to see on my late Monday night, late Memorial Day, to finish up a great weekend we had. But just watching that game brings back so many memories. The dirt infield, how sloppy and how muddy that was. And I noticed on that infield dirt, the strip of dirt, between third base and home base, where the you know the baseline, I guess you want to call that, was patched up with sod. And I was wondering why do they do that right there, but not the rest of the field? And OJ McDuffie actually replied to that comment I made on Twitter and said that they the Marlins were still playing, and the sod at that portion of the field was very, very loose. And so if they were to do that for the rest of the field, you basically would have guys pulling up sod the entire game. And McDuffie said that he sprained his knee on that loose sod in that game. So definitely not the greatest conditions to play football in, but it did give us an all-time classic. And just watching the way Marino gets the ball up and out, that release and the drive that he has, it takes everything in his body to make those throws from the hips up through the shoulders down to the feet. It's so cool to watch him throw the football. Those mechanics and that drive and that whip and the torque he puts on the football is about as good as you're ever going to see it. Personally, I don't think we're ever going to see anybody that throws the football the way Dan Marino did. So it was fun to go back and to watch that again for what, the 12th time now that I've seen that? I have that game on VHS somewhere. I don't know where it is. It's in a box somewhere. But to see it on the NFL Network and to have them play it live, that was just really, really cool to see. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. But before I do, I want to tell you about the best belts on planet Earth, GRIP 6, where their goal is to literally make the best belt that has ever been made. GRIP6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, and even moms and wives. You can see their women's collection on GRIP6.com. They have ultra lightweight belts with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making it super comfortable. I wear one just about every single day. Grip6 is the only belt that has those features, no holes, no flap, and no bulk. And Grip6 has a special offer for our listeners right now at grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E, grip6.com slash lock for the best belts on the planet. All right, guys, I'm going to jump out of here for this podcast. We're coming back tomorrow with the Twitter mailbag. We'll have the Albert Wilson scouting report, as well as some more OTA news from the media availability on practice number eight of nine. But as for now, I'm going to get out and remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Winkle NFL. Follow the show at Locked Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.